Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. What a difference a week makes in Cowboys land. Here we were, riding high, thinking we had all the answers, Tom. And now, as we sig just a week later, oh, so many questions remain. And that's where we are as we get riled up on the Cowboys here every Thursday. Your favorite podcast here on the Blogging the Boys Podcast Network. Make sure you check out all those podcasts. But, of course, my man, Tom Ryle. Uh, your boy, Roy White, you can follow him at Tom Rowell BTB on the Twitter sphere while it's still going. You can follow me at RW3 on there as well while we're all still here. And boy, as I mentioned, Tom, it was not impossible to see the game going the way that it did a week ago because it was Aaron Rodgers. And so much yep. of the talk was that no matter how the Cowboys positioned themselves, Aaron Rodgers could always turn around and do something spectacular. But what made this one different, Tom, it wasn't really Aaron Rodgers that did it to him. With a 14-point yeah. lead, the Cowboys were unable to shut down the run game, and they allowed the Packers effectively to run their way back into this contest. And I think that's kind of where we start when it comes to the question marks that remain as we look forward and against their next opponent this upcoming weekend. Yeah, and and I have to say that it wasn't just the fact that the the Packers were able to run themselves back into the game. It's that the Cowboys' offense, after having a really good third quarter, just went to sleep, kind of. Uh, They couldn't get anything done and and gave the ball back to the Packers as well as, you know, the the early-in-the-game squandering of a golden opportunity when they got the ball at the Packers 10 yard line and wound up turning it back over. Uh, just, yeah, this, this was one where the failures involved all three phases of the game. Uh, the special teams were not good. They had some really bad penalties at times that we have not been seeing. So yeah, it, it just, it was bad, but now we've got to look forward. Uh, they're coming up against what was one of the two really tough-looking games coming into the second half of the season against the Minnesota Vikings, who are now tied with the Philadelphia Eagles, thank you, Washington Commanders, uh, for the best record in the NFL. And what's going to happen? Uh, you know, it's it's going to be... It needs to be a bounce-back game for the Cowboys. Of course, they're on the road again. Uh, They are playing indoors, which I think is good news for the Cowboys. They're not a great cold-weather team at all. 
And uh, so it's nice that the Minnesota decided several years ago that they were going to put up a dome stadium. So now the Cowboys get a nice climate control situation. But the, the first question that I came up with was, can the offense get some of the mojo back? I mean, they looked so good against the Chicago Bears. Just almost unstoppable in, in racking up six offensive touchdowns in that game. So it was just so disappointing to see them struggle moving the, the ball against uh, a Green Bay Packers team that was not, not bad, but not that intimidating defensively, I thought. Uh, and, and they showed flashes, obviously. They put up four touchdowns. Uh, that's usually a good way to win a game, but they just didn't quite have enough when they let the Packers stick around. And if they'd have just, you know, if they just scored some more points somewhere along the way, they could have won this thing. And that, that was really kind of, a, 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 as I like to say, to quote Mike McCarthy, it was frustrating. Uh, they were just inconsistent. They have the ability to score, but sometimes they can't seem to get out of their way. Uh, and if you really want to look at one thing that I think is is rearing its ugly head again, it's something we've been worried about really since the, uh, the offseason started. That is that they have not really addressed the issue at wide receiver. We saw them go in to this game with one good wide receiver, one very reliable tight end, and kind of half of another wide receiver in Michael Gallup. And that wasn't enough. Even though CeeDee Lamb had a, a career day, he, he was very good, except on, you know, maybe one or two routes when he made a mistake that cost the team badly. But when you only got one real offensive weapon you're throwing out there, the the other team can let that offensive weapon have a really good day as long as they're kind of slowing down the rest of your receivers and make it a real strain to continue to produce. We could say a couple of things about the Cowboys' offensive struggles. Number one, Dalton Schultz has played his way out of Dallas, and I don't mean that in a good way. Uh, Dalton Schultz will not be getting a new contract here in Dallas, no matter what he does, presumably the rest of the way, because he just hasn't done enough up to this point, I think, to have them even play him much more than Pey Peyton Hendershot and, and Jake Ferguson as they're kind of making their way into this offense. Now, unfortunately, right, I'd love to be like bragging about that, except for the fact that there's not really anything else, again, from a pass catching standpoint. So, Michael Gallup, as you mentioned, a, a half piece and quite honestly doesn't look anywhere close to what he had been in terms of a reliability standpoint. And Dak Prescott, for his own purposes, struggled really badly in this one as well. I am curious, like this is the first game where I did ask myself, hey, how would Cooper Rush have performed? I'm not saying he would have won this game, but might the Cowboys have found themselves in a better position because of his ability to at least take care of the football. 
Well, not if the defense is going to just kind of flop around like they did. And with all due respect to Cooper Rush, I don't see him getting four touchdowns yeah. in that game at all. So, no, that's that to me is still uh, okay. a non-factor. By the way, I want to be clear, that's not an, not necessarily an opinion of mine, but it was one that I saw circulating on the Twitter sphere. And so, you know, fairly, I want to give folks a voice, even if it's not my own in that regard. And it, I think it's a question that people may want an answer to. Um, there are other questions, though, that remain when it comes to the Cowboys as we look forward. It wasn't just the offense that struggled, although they did, but one notable aspect was missing and we do kind of expect him to return this week. And the question is, you know, what type of impact will it have and how much should they rely on him? And you're talking about Ezekiel Elliott, who was a game time decision, which means he was very close to being ready to go. And they decided to hold him out one more game might have been a mistake. Uh, but I have a really hard time criticizing the team too much for being cautious about an injury, especially after what happened last year when Elliott played through injury and was obviously not the player he was before he was hurt last season because he never had a chance to recover. Now, hopefully he's going to come back much closer to 100%. And, and I have to think, what a difference he, he might have made uh, in one particular time at one particular point. And that was in overtime with the, the, the game on the line. The Cowboys had the third three at the Packers 35. And they elected to throw the ball twice from there with two incompletions, giving the ball back to the Packers. We won't get into the possible missed uh, defensive pass interference call that, you know, as we saw in the Eagles game, the referees are going to miss some calls, sometimes egregiously. Mm -hmm. But uh, had they had Elliott out there, even if they hadn't handed him the ball, would he have changed the way the defense reacted and made it easier for Prescott to complete the pass? Or could he have gotten that three yards in, in a couple of plays or gotten two yards and set up Dak Prescott for a quarterback sneak, which, you know, Dak Prescott converted some fourth downs in that game, as you may re recall, uh, when he was running the ball. Um, now they've got Elliott back. And the question that has always been is how do they mix him and Tony Pollard in the backfield? I really am kind of thinking that they might want to look at leaning this more towards a 50-50 situation. Uh, don't necessarily have one that is clearly the lead back. Um, I think it would probably be good to have Zeke come out in the opening series and just see what he's got going on, see if he can get rolling. But I think they need to keep Pollard's touches up looking at maybe if they want to have like 15 and 15 running plays split between the two of them. I think that might be the way they should consider going unless one of the two just gets on fire and they want to keep feeding either of them. But can I make another I, proposal on how they deploy them? Like I don't necessarily think it's a sooner or later type of thing more so 
not just the situation, right? Short yardage, Zeke may be better proven for it, but I think they would benefit from playing Tony sooner in the game and Zeke fresher, but later in the game to lean on defenses. Now, obviously there's some game script considerations to be had there. If they're trailing by 14, then it's going to be probably the Tony Pollard show at that point. But, you know, I like to think in a close game, in the later stages of the game, Zeke Elliott maybe makes me a little bit more comfortable in the early parts of the game when explosiveness can kind of make that big difference and teams um, maybe are more privy to those types of plays. That's where I think Tony Pollard could come into play and be more effective. Any thought on oh, that? Let me, let me say, hmm, that's not a bad thought. I can see the logic. I can see the possible value there. And I guess, you know, we're going to have to see what they, they roll out because we obviously are not going to have anything to do with the offensive game plan for this game. But, yeah, I, I just want to see them get as much as they can out of the two of them and, you know, find some way to have them combine for like 150, 160 yards on the ground. Uh, if they can do that, I think this becomes a much more manageable game for the Cowboys offensively where they can keep the, the Vikings off balance a little bit with mixing them. And then, you know, hopefully that will help the passing game along the way uh, as, as the, the Vikings are going to have to be cognizant of the fact that they've got some, a couple of runners, either of whom can hit you for seven or eight yards on just about any carry, especially when the line's blocking well. Um, and, the line has been doing pretty good at run blocking this year. So that's going to be very, I think, I think that's going to be a key to this game is how Elliot mixes back in and how effective he is and how healthy he really looks. You know, if he comes out, goes out there and he looks like he's struggling, then obviously they might want to back off and lighten up, but they're, I definitely think they're going to give him a go. And that's a big question that we're not going to know the answer until, you know, several plays into the game, at least, mm -hmm. if not much later. So that that is well, definitely something I want to see. Well, while the focus on the Cowboys offensive side of the ball will be what they do in the run game, the focus when I'm looking at the Cowboys defense will also be what they do in the run game, especially after what we've seen in the last two weeks. Yeah, 200 yards plus two weeks in a row with the caveat that the Chicago game, they kind of could afford to let that happen, you know, because they had a pretty good lead through most of the game and wound up winning by 20 points. You don't care if the other team is racking up running yards because that's not going to get them into the end zone in a hurry. By the way, is it also fair, though, to like, reclassify those rushing yards as well because when they're had by the quarterback that's a different type of rushing yard to me especially the ones that justin field got now i, I know um quite a few of them were design runs but several of them were also plays that broke down where he gained rushing yards on whereas this game right this packers game was much more alarming because of the fact that it was pretty much all traditional running backs that did the damage mm -hmm. to him. Yeah, like I was I was, was much more okay with their performance against the Bears, obviously because of game script and because of the lead and the cushion that they had, but also 
in the way that those were gained, I felt those were more fluky. This past game, like alarm bells were ringing in my head. Yeah, uh, and if they if they're looking for a game to get right in their run defense, this might not be a bad one. Uh, first off, the Vikings are not a great running team. They're only averaging 107 yards per game. Uh, I think that the, that makes them 10th from the bottom in the in the league. And that is not as much of a threat. And they are also, I mean, if it's not Dalvin Cook, they ain't doing anything on the ground. He's getting 80 of those 170 yards each game, actually closer to 81. And so, you know, if you only got to worry about 26 yards from the other ball carriers, well, clearly you, you just need to find a way to slow Cook down and you've got him corralled. You also don't have nearly as much a threat with Kirk Cousins. Again, I mean, he he can scramble effectively, but I don't think he's going to hurt you nearly as much as a player like Justin Fields did uh, as far as getting the yards. So that's going to be a, a big focus. Uh, I will say I wasn't entirely comfortable with the way Dan Quinn addressed it by just basically saying, we got the players, we got the plan, we're going to, we're going to pick. Didn't sound much to me like he was presenting a clear idea of how they were going to fix it. Uh, it was just more kind of like, we're going to keep doing the same things and expect things to turn out differently this week. And you know what they say about that. <laughs> so we're going to have to see what goes what goes with that. Uh, and and it wasn't just the run defense, though. The, the strength for the Cowboys' defense all season has been the pass rush. And it kind of fizzled. Uh, it just, you know, they had two sacks. The first one was great, you know, strip sack by DeMarcus Lawrence. They only got to Aaron Rodgers one other time, and they only had two quarterback hits. He was basically untouched back there the entire game. And that can't stand. Cousins may not be Aaron Rodgers, but you leave him untouched and he will pick you apart. Um, they've got wow. to figure out a way to, to get to him. And I'm hoping part of that is because Micah Parsons last Sunday only had nine pass rushing snaps. It in retrospect, it looks like they were trying to use Parsons as an off-ball linebacker to address the running game, which didn't work out very well, and is clearly not the optimal use of him. It seems to me that the one way you can kind of neutralize him is to kind of run right at him. Uh, so hopefully they will put him back up, kind of flip the, that ratio and just have him do a handful of plays as an off-ball linebacker and have him going after Cousins, which is his most valuable role. Uh, and they need the whole uh, pass rush crew to, to step up. Um, yeah, it's, you know, is it, is it time to see some more Sam Williams? 
he seems to be having a lot of productivity for the amount of snaps he's seeing. Um, Dorrance Armstrong has done a really good job this year, but maybe it's time to start giving some of his snaps to Williams. Uh, they they need more answers, you know, and that that's all of the pass rushers have to be much more effective this year than they were last. Uh, especially if they can keep from letting Dalvin Cook get carried away running the ball, then that should set them up in more obvious passing situations where they can tee off a little bit. And this was kind of what was setting the Cowboys' defense apart from the rest of the league up until this most recent game. When you looked at the defense, the most consistent aspect, what you could almost bank on from game to game, was that they were going to put pressure on the quarterback. And yet, in Green Bay, they you know, developed the least amount of pressures they had in any game this season. You could argue the defense put up the worst defensive performance of any game this season and unfortunately for us Cowboys fans that have been doing this for a while it brings back all those haunting memories of the one Achilles heel that the Cowboys had that another team was able to exploit and quite frankly this run defense issue is one that kind of has been an Achilles heel for the last couple of seasons we all remember how it rolled downhill against the 49ers and they had no answer for it and here we are a year later, it feels like, Tom, we're in the exact same place where they don't necessarily have an answer for it. And the, the scarier thing is they actually tried something incredibly different against the Green Bay Packers than what they did against the Chicago Bears. They committed more players to the box. They played more man coverages to try to get people up on the line of scrimmage, and they still got torched. So we've got to hope that the pass rushing game – does come back into play because if not the rest of it can kind of roll downhill very quickly. So I agree with you. Uh, first things first, Micah Parsons needs to be able to pin his ears back a little bit more often and we can roll from there when it comes to personnel moves. Yeah. I do want to contradict you in a very minor way. There's not an argument that this was the worst defensive performance they've had all year. <laughs> it clearly was. Uh, that we can just put that as a given, as a as a solid data point, mm-hmm. and hopefully they just say, okay, that one didn't work, and they pack that away and go back to maybe what they were doing before, uh, and I, you know, do some things to clean up the run defense. Yes, but mostly stop the pass. Just stop the pass. And hopefully with some help on the offensive side of the ball and, you know, maybe a really good uh, special teams player to, to, to chip in there, you know, we're still waiting for Kalante Turpin to, to break one all the way. And I still feel in my heart it's going to happen one day. This would be a great week to have it happen. Um, you know, just – Stop, get Kirk Cousins on the ground five or six times and and maybe force uh, a turnover. He he will occasionally throw an interception, although he is not throwing a lot this year. So, and that's one, one big problem. There's a, you know, is the remaining big question of who he's throwing to and do the Cowboys have an answer for Justin Jefferson. 
who is emerging as one of the premier pass catchers in the league right now. He is the best pass catcher in the league right now, in my opinion. He he is number one, and I think the numbers reflect some of that. Uh, ESPN 538 put out a really interesting article. I don't know if you saw it, but I tweeted it out, shameless plug, at RW3 on Twitter. And it's a project they've put together using the next-gen tracking data, the player tracking mm-hmm. data that's available. And they basically graded wide receivers on three items. Um, they're getting open, their pass catch ability, and their ability to generate yards after catch. And they graded them on, on a per-game basis, right? So even in the plays where they weren't targeted, these players were given a grade based on the separation that they were creating according to those next-gen stats, right? How fast the players around them are all moving, what the likelihood is that they would gain yards on the play once they catch it, et cetera, right? And Justin Jefferson graded out as the highest player in that project. So far this season, this is the most dangerous weapon right now going in the NFL from a pass-catching standpoint. And as much as I love the, you know, the dog versus dog situation, Justin Jefferson versus Trayvon Diggs. I don't necessarily think the Cowboys have an advantage there, Tom. Yeah, I really see this more as you're not going to be able to stop him. You just have to – they're going to have to slow him down somehow. Uh, Don't let him be the one guy that beats them and, you know, if you go back in the past, there have been games uh, by some players, um, you know, that they've just come in and one receiver has just absolutely destroyed the defense. And they can't let that happen. Uh, is it going to mean doubling Jefferson every time and hoping that, that – they don't have somebody else go off against them. I don't know, but they. this is going to be, I think, that could be the thing that actually winds up tipping the scales in the end, you know, is is Jefferson just having another phenomenal game or are they holding him to just a good game? Because I don't think they're going to shut him down. Uh, I, as good as I, I think Trayvon Diggs is, the, the advantage in the NFL – it goes to the receiver. Uh, that's just the way the rules are. That's just the way the game has evolved. And so it's a it's a matter of trying to put some brakes on him uh, because you're not going to slam him to a complete stop. You just got to slow it down and not let him hurt you too much. If the Cowboys win this game, Tom, you still feel good or decent about their chances of potentially winning the NFC East. The Eagles slipping against the Washington Commanders. Boy, we'd have felt a lot better about it if we had a win in our pocket and we're just one game back with one more matchup to play there right after Christmas. But uh, Or Christmas Day. What I can't remember quite, around, but I know it is right after Christmas, right around that time. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about it? you feel like the Cowboys – Still have a shot at it, or is that window kind of closed with this most recent loss? I think they just need to focus on getting as many wins as they can to make sure they get into the playoffs and let the race for the division kind of fall as it will. Uh, The commanders showed something. Uh, They can't sleep on them, even though they've got a win in their pocket against the commanders. 
this is the NFC East is a tough division. Uh, the Commanders may have shown that the the Eagles were a little bit more, more hollow than a lot of people were thinking after they won eight in a row. Or was it nine in a row? Uh, eight. I can't even remember. It was eight in a row. Uh, but, hey, they still are tied for the best record in the league. Uh, you can't just assume you're going to be able to beat them. You can't just assume you're going to beat the Giants, you know, because they're sitting at seven and two. Yeah. And uh, yeah, wow. yeah, all, all of the, the, the NFC East has benefited from having fairly weak strength of schedules going up against them. You know, they, they have not played a whole lot of really tough teams uh, collectively. And it kind of reflects in the overall one loss record of the division, but it's, you know, you can't write any of these teams off and you can't just say, Oh, well, they played weak opponents. Well, everybody's played some weak opponents. And, you know, now they've got, it's going to likely come down to the remaining head to head games. Uh, and NFL's weak opponents, it seems like, and yet, you know, every, like everybody, if you if you look at schedules, people look up and down and they go, who have you really beaten? And yet, you know, this whole NFC East group, they are all above 500. The commanders are five and five. And as you mentioned, the Giants at seven and two, the Cowboys sitting there at six and three. So this is not necessarily a slouch group, but for some reason, perception becomes reality. And we go, ah, no one's really played anybody. Maybe the division isn't that bad. Yeah, it's weird to think that right now, if you just look at the records of the team they beat, the the best quality win the Cowboys have is against the Giants. (laughs) So it's, you know, that it's going to be very interesting. I, I think the best thing to do, like I said, is just, The division is me. See how the chips fall, and you know, maybe get into it. You know, maybe when they play the Eagles, it might be for a lot more. Uh, but in the meantime, they can't really afford many more stumbles like they had against the Packers. Uh, I, I, I'd say they can afford maybe one more, and they really don't want it to be this week because. Don't want a losing streak going. I don't think we have a good read on how tough this team is. We've seen in the past sometimes they don't show a lot of toughness when adversity hits and kind of get rattled. Uh, And I'm not saying that is the character of the team this year. I'm just saying we don't know it isn't. So a win this week is would be very important. Now, you know, the betting markets have the Cowboys as a slight favorite, which I find a little surprising. But maybe the Vikings have the same issue. Who have they really beaten? So, you know, it's, it's hard to say. I, I think this is a winnable game. 
Um, I don't feel as confident as I foolishly felt last week, but I still think the Cowboys are going to pull out a win. Uh, probably not as strong a win, something in the order of like, uh, say, 27 to 20 uh, win is what I would, I would, and I would take that and be thrilled with it. Uh, but, you know, we're going to have to find out when they actually play the game. But I, I still think the Cowboys can get a win, stay in the mix, and like I said, we'll just have to see how everything else goes down the stretch. Well, if they do that, they'll be the first team to do that against the Minnesota Vikings. And when I say that, what I mean is they'll be the first team to win in a one-score game against the Vikings this season. Because as we speak, the Vikings are 7-0 and in one-score one games, including four victories by four or fewer points. And, I mean, how can we forget the one they got a week ago, Tom? A fumble recovery of Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills in their own end zone had the Minnesota Vikings win that football game. A stunning victory for them. They could easily be sitting at 7-2, and two, but they are 8-1, and one, and they play host to the Cowboys this weekend. So, with that hey, being hey, said... Let's- yeah, I was just going to say, let's pull for regression to the mean on those one-win games because that is extremely difficult to keep that kind of a performance going. That just is not the way it it goes in the NFL. No, it is not, and we will see how it all plays out. Of course, we'll be with you here at Blogging the Boys, keeping you updated on all the game time action as we've got the pre and the post game available for you on our YouTube page. Make sure you check out all the great content there at bloggingtheboys.com and all the other great podcasts. We do it for you two times a day, every single day of the week, so make sure you get your fill on the Cowboys. And for Tom, I'm Roy. You guys stay riled up on the Cowboys, and we will see you next Thursday.